This conference is part two of a two-part series. What follows is message five of five of the spring 2014 college conference recorded Lord's Day, March 2, 2014 in Latham Springs, Texas. Conference title is Life and Building Revealed in the Gospel of John, Part 2. Message title is Life's Prayer, Life Processed, and Life in Resurrection. Good morning, everybody. Okay, um... Well, we come to uh, the end of a marvelous journey through the Gospel of John. This is our last uh, session. And the last time we covered this Gospel uh, in the way of a conference was in the spring of 2010. So we will see when the Lord brings us back again to uh, enjoy such a wonderful Gospel. Um, And there are a number of things I would like to share with you this morning. I'm just looking to the Lord on how to release them. And um, I'm hoping that He will impress us with something fresh, uh, especially at the conclusion of the Gospel of John. Okay? I was thinking that uh, it might be proper at this point to consider what is the essential message of the Gospel of John. If somebody will ask you, uh, what is the essence of this Gospel? What is, in essence, the message of the Gospel of John? What would you say? Okay, so that's my first burden or first desire to convey to you. Okay? Well, the Gospel of John is a gospel that is simple, and yet it is profound. It is simple. Um, If you have been reading, you know, the verses, or if you have read before the Gospel of John, you realize that the words, the vocabulary, the expressions that John used in his gospel are very simple. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word became flesh. Very simple. And yet it is also very profound, like last night's message. Or if you have read, you know, especially John chapter 14, 14 through 17, you... Uh, have a sense of appreciation of the profound depths of the Gospel of John. Very mysterious, especially those chapters. Okay? Well, maybe the most useful way to gain an overall impression of this Gospel is to know and to realize that the Gospel of John is a gospel of two worlds. And you have it in your front cover of the packet. The gospel of John is a gospel of life and building. And we need to really dwell in these two crucial words, life and building. Life is God himself. Life is Christ. 
He said, I am the life. I have come that you may have life. And life is the spirit. This gospel is also the gospel of eternal life. In no other gospel, these two words are put together as much as in the gospel of John. Eternal life. Well, eternal life is not merely an eternal state of existence in another realm. You have to know what is eternal life. Eternal life is God dispensed into us. So the Lord came to die as our Redeemer, that through believing into him, we will have eternal life. That is, we will have God himself dispense into us to be our life. So, this is the first part of the revelation in the Gospel of John. We need God himself as eternal life. That's the first thing. Life, however, is more of a means than a goal. Of course, we, it becomes life is first a goal because we need to receive it in order to carry out God's purpose. But life then becomes the means by which God accomplishes his purpose to have a corporate expression of himself in Christ through all of the believers. And this corporate expression is what we mean by building. So in the Gospel of John, this building is symbolized in many different ways. As the tabernacle, the temple, the bride, the flock, the house of God, the vine, the new man, and the oneness of the believers. So building is the corporate expression of the triune God. I believe that if all of us, especially, you know, all the freshmen, if you're a freshman, raise your hand. You see, I believe if all of you, right, will read again the Gospel of John with this dual focus of life and building, we will receive much light. So, the way to get into this gospel is through these two precious words. That is, life and building. Life is the triune God. And building is the corporate expression of the triune God. So, this, in essence, is the message of the gospel of John. Do you get it? 
You have to treasure those two words, life and building. Even the entire Bible begins and ends with life and building. Okay, so that's the essence of the Gospel of John. And another way to see these two words is considering the Gospel of John split into three sections. Okay? So the first section of the Gospel of John, section 1, we may call this section that goes from chapters 1 through 3, the birth of life. That's chapters 1 through 3. And here you have key verses, like chapter 1, verse 12, but as many as receive him, right? Or chapter 3, verse 6, that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. So this section of the Gospel of John, the birth of life, is a matter of our human spirit. Then we move on to section 2 of the Gospel of John, and this, we can refer to it as a section of the growth in life. Mainly from chapters 4 through 7. And here, remember those verses, but whoever drinks of the water that will give him, in chapter 4. Or chapter 6, verse 57, right? If he who eats me, said the Lord. Or in chapter 7, right? Come to me and drink. So this section is a matter of drinking and eating. Drinking and eating. Then the third section of the Gospel of John, we may expect that it will be referred to as maturity in life. But actually, more than that, is the section of building. Maturity in life is not just for the sake of maturity, it's for the sake of the building. Okay? So here we have chapters 10 through the end of the book, 21. And this section is a matter of our oneness. Now, I would like to point out something here. You, you need to be clear about this matter. There are, there are two things in the Bible, or two matters in the Bible, which are the most important for God's purpose. One is <clears throat> mingling, and the other is oneness. Mingling and oneness. Okay? And here we have these two things. Because as we drink and eat the Lord, we get mingled with Him. The best way for something like the, pine, uh, the uh, watermelon last night to be mingled with you. Remember when uh, somebody here ate the watermelon? Uh, is to be mingled. That, that's the best way to, to, to get that into you. The, the best way to mingle with something 
is to eat it. Okay, so as we eat and drink the Lord, we get mingled with Him. And then, out of that mingling comes the oneness of all the, with all the believers. Mingling and oneness. And there is one verse that combines these two things very, in a very marvelous way, and that is 1 Corinthians 12, 13. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For also in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we're all given to drink one spirit. Right there. How do we get mingled with God? By drinking the one spirit. And I, have you been drinking this weekend? Lots of mingling. Okay? That's the, that's the way to get mingled with God. So with God, we need to be mingled. And with all the believers, we need to be one. So mingling and oneness. The two more, most crucial things in the whole Bible. Okay? You have to remember these things. So we have the Gospel of John, again, in three sections. Okay? And you have life and building again. I hope you remember that and you are impressed with these things. Okay, so that's in the way of introduction, so that you may have a perspective of the, an appreciation of the Gospel of John. Okay? Now, <clears throat> let us consider... Um, message number four. And how about you all read the title of the message? Go ahead. Okay, just an overview of the outline. Uh, you have life's prayer in John chapter 17. Then we're going to see that this life has to go through a process, okay? Just like Tim illustrated uh, last night, remember, when he went out behind the board and cut the watermelon, and then he, he came back this way with a slice of watermelon, and then Chris had to eat the watermelon and get the juice. Okay, that life has to be processed so that we can receive him. Then, in John chapter, uh, chapters 20 and 21, we have life in resurrection. Okay. So how about we all read letter, uh, let's see, number one, letter A, and John 17, 1. Go. Okay, now. Before we, uh, you know, continue with the following points, I would like for you to know something. This is the second main thing, and that is the subject, the central point of this chapter, John 17. Okay? I want you to catch these uh, matters. When we first read John 17, or upon a superficial reading of John 17, we may have the impression 
that the central point is the oneness of the believers. Okay? If you take a look on John 17, you will see that spends many verses dealing with this matter of the oneness of the believers. But although it is a crucial point, it is neither the central point of the chapter nor the subject of the Lord's Prayer in this chapter. The subject of this chapter and of the Lord's Prayer is clearly indicated in verse 1. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Okay? So, this verse sets the tone and reveals the subject of the Lord's prayer. He is praying for his glorification, that in his glorification, the Father may be glorified. Now, I'm sure many of you are wondering, what does this mean? Yes, I I get the point. He is praying for his glorification, that in his glorification, the Father will be glorified. Very good. But what does this mean? Okay. It does not mean merely that the Lord, as a man, in resurrection, will enter into a realm of glory, or that he will return to the Father of glory. Earlier in the same gospel, the Lord indicated and even prophesied that he will be glorified. By glorification, the gospel of John means this, that through the Lord's death and resurrection, there will be an expression of the divine element, that is the divine life with the divine glory, from within the humanity of the Lord Jesus. God is glory. And glory is God expressed. When the very God became flesh, His glory was concealed within the flesh of the Lord's humanity. It's much like the Shekinah Shekinah glory in the tabernacle was concealed, hidden within the tabernacle in the Old Testament. Which tabernacle did not have an attractive outward appearance. Or it is like the life element concealed within the shell of a grain of wheat. The only way for the glory in the case of the Lord Jesus to be released or the life element in the case of the grain of wheat to be released, the only way is through death issuing in resurrection. And this brings us directly to the subject of the Lord's Prayer in John 17. When he said, the hour has come, he means the hour has come for him to go to the cross and die an all-inclusive, redeeming and life-releasing death. And when he said, the hour has come 
for the Son to be glorified, he means that the, the time has come for the glory concealed within him to be released through his death and manifested in his resurrection. Now get this. Furthermore, there is something, something else. This glory, by the dispensing of the life of God into us, and through resurrection, will be imparted into his believers. And these believers need to be one. So that through their oneness, there could be a corporate expression of the glorified Christ for the glorious expression of the Father of glory. This is the subject of this prayer. How about that? Did you get it? It, it, it is it's really awesome. Okay? So this is what the Lord had in view when he prayed. Okay? He prayed that the glory concealed within him will be released through his death and manifested in his resurrection. Okay, now, I want you to take a look on John 17, because I would like to point out something to you. When I first read this chapter, and I have read John 17 many times, I didn't get it. I didn't realize it. I didn't pay attention to it. If you are in John 17, maybe you want to, you want to take a look on your Bible there. Open your Bible. Go to John 17. Probably would be easier to see it there. Okay. So John 17... We read, we read verse 1, okay? And then, um, take a look on verse 6. It says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. And if you read, the rest of the chapter and count how many times he uses the word they, them, these, the men you gave me, themselves, you will count about 42 or 43 times. Them, them, they, themselves, the man you gave me, them. Question, who is he talking about? Who is them? Who is they? Who is themselves? Who, 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 are they? who is this? Is he talking about everybody in general? Who is he talking about? You know, if you take a look on verse um, 12, for instance. Verse 12. When I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given to me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. He's talking about his disciples. He's praying for his group. You have to see the Lord's strategy 
This is the triune God. You, uh, you, you just have to slow down and consider what he did in his ministry of three and a half years. He comes at the age of 30 and calls a group of people. Okay? And <clears throat> these are very simple people. Uh, I don't think there is anything outstanding about them. Um, some of them were fishermen. You know, they were not in the temple. They were not priests. They were not educated, right? They were simple people. He called them, and then he spent three and a half years with them. He called them to be with him. So they did everything together. They ate together. They walked together. They just, they hang out together for three and a half years. And in these three and a half years, he uh, blended them. Okay? He grouped them together. He was very much focused on this small group. And at the end of his ministry, in this prayer, he's praying for that one group. And then before his ascension, he commissions this group to do something. This is the strategy of the triune God. So he comes, he calls you, he blends you, and then he prays for you. That's what he did in John 17. I encourage you, you know, when you have the time, go back and read again this chapter and mark all the times he's praying for his group. We have an expression for this group, a vital group. The triune God came, and in three and a half years, you know what he gained? He gained a vital group. The people who were very much related to him and to one another in the divine life, and who were the key for him to carry out his purpose. Okay? This has, has to impress us. I hope this is your experience in college. You know, you have, the Lord had three and a half years. You in college have four years. Okay, we give you one semester just to warm up, okay? That's okay. Then you have three and a half years. What is going to be your strategy? I mean, the triune God showed us. I mean, he, he could have come and tried to convince the whole earth, believe in me, using miracles and wonders and thunders and everything, just the whole show, and gain, you know, all these crowds of people. But no, the triune God just, he was satisfied with a group that he blended together. He, even he dealt, with, he dealt with them, okay? He prayed for them. And then he commissioned them, and he left. That's a triune God. How about in your college years? You do something like this. Just focus on a few. You spend time with them. You know, you do many things with them, right? Humanly, spiritually. And then when, by the time you exit, right, there is a group there on your campus as your continuation. That is the triune God. You know, to, to us older brothers, you know, all the ones who are 40, 50, 60, what should our strategy be? Let's say, let's say we, we knew, I only have, Tim and I, you, you know, we have three and a half years left on this earth. What should our strategy be? I mean, the triune God did exactly 
what I just described you. He gained one group. He blended them together. Right? He spent time with them. Right? He prayed for them. And then he left. So I hope you redeem your college years in the same way. Just focus on a few. Build them up. And then when you leave, there is a continuation on your campus. Okay. Now let us move on. Um, we have now <clears throat> letter B. Is, okay. You have the same outline, right, as, as I do? Is that letter B? Yeah, okay. Very good. Uh, how about you go ahead and read letter B? And then let us alternate. Uh, we read one, two, and three. Brothers one, sisters two, all together in three. Okay, letter B, go. Okay. Okay, very good. So, as I mentioned to you, uh, oneness is very much touched right here in John 17, although it is not the central point nor the subject of the Lord's Prayer, as I fellowship with you, okay? First of all, the believers are one in the Father's name by the eternal life. You have to remember these expressions. Make them part of your vocabulary. Our oneness is in the Father's name by the eternal life. What does this mean? Well, you know, God is life. The reality of the Father is life. If he has no life, how could he impart that life into us? So eternal life is the reality of the Father's name. Right? It's just like your physical father. You are here because your father was alive. And because your Father has life to impart into you. So in the same way, our Heavenly Father, He Himself is life. And He has imparted that life into us the moment we believed through our regeneration. So now we are one in that life. He is our Father and you are my brothers and sisters. And listen... Every time we allow this life within us, the divine life, to grow in us, and we learn to live by that life, we are one with all the believers. But the moment we turn and live by our natural life, just, we, we just get divided. So this is the initial stage of our oneness. It's in the Father's name by the eternal life. Okay? The number two, our oneness is in the triune God through sanctification by the Holy Word. Please remember these utterances. Okay? Our oneness is in the triune God through sanctification by the Holy Word. Okay, let us labor a little bit here. Verse 17 says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. What it is to be sanctified? Well, to be sanctified is to be separated from the world and into God to make us 
holy. You got it? To be sanctified is to separate it from the world into God to make us holy. And this implies a change both in our position and our disposition. This is very simple to understand. This weekend, your position is a very special position. It's, it's, it, it got changed. Maybe you, you were not planning to be here. But by the Lord's mercy and grace, you made it here. So your position changed. If you hadn't come you know, to the weekend conference, you may be doing all kinds of things and being in all kinds of places. Maybe watching some things. I don't know. But your position changed. You got sanctified positionally. But that is not all. There is the dispositional aspect of our sanctification, and that refers to an, a, a change in our inward being. You have been drinking the Lord and eating the Lord, and you know, the brothers have been infusing you with life and light and truth. So there is an inward change in your being that is the dispositional aspect of sanctification. Okay? Now, something marvelous here. Take a look on verse. Okay, this is sanctification, okay? Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Very good. Now, take a look on verse 18. What it says, verse 18. Can you read it together? Wow, I thought he separated me from the world. Now he's telling me, he's sending me back to the world. (laughs) Okay, wow. So, if we are going to be separated from the world, and then sent into the world, there is no other way except to be filled with God's word. The only way to be separated from being mixed with the world is to be saturated and soaked with God's holy word. And for this, and in order to take care of those who are younger among us, I would like to share with you three ways to come to the word of God. Okay? You need to know this, especially the younger ones. So Something so good about you, you have many years ahead. Oh, that's wonderful. That's very wonderful. Because to become a person who is constituted with the Word in this way takes time. It's not, it's not an overnight matter. And your usefulness in the Lord's hand will increase the more the Word is abiding in you the more you are constituted with the Word. Okay? That's how God moves and spreads. It's not just only our excitement. It's not just our newness. There must be something substantial. It's God speaking. And He wants to speak through you. Okay? So, three ways to come to the Word. Number one, 
the way to be the way of being nourished. And you can write down this reference. First Timothy four six. In this verse, Paul tells Timothy, if you lay these things before the brothers, you will be a good minister of Christ, being nourished with the words of the faith and of the good teaching. We have to be nourished with the word. That happens many times, but not always, okay? In our morning time, we have to spend time with the Lord, and that is the time to receive the nourishing element from the Word. You just take a few verses and eat them and digest them. That is for your inner man to be nourished. Okay? Then number two is the way of reading. You have to read the Bible. Make it your habit. It's not normal for a Christian not to read the Bible. That's why we have a schedule. If you don't have a schedule, pick this one up. Right? The, blue, the blue sheet that Tim gave us last night. Just read the Bible. Every day, every day. That should be part of our quote-unquote culture. We read the Bible. Okay? Read the Bible till one day you meet the Lord, the author of that book, face to face. I think it would be wonderful. I really, I have told my wife, you know, I really would like to end my, my days like that. Either singing with the brothers or praising the Lord or maybe in a table meeting. I don't know. <laughs> that, may, that, that may be very tragic, but anyhow. <laughs> but with the brothers or reading the Bible, you know, it would be wonderful. You're in the morning, you alone and the Lord. You're kissing him and he's kissing you and then he takes you. Next time you give him a kiss face to face. I would like that. So read the Bible. Matthew 3, Revelation, and then, you know, I will encourage you also read the Old Testament. Some of you go to a Bible school, and um, sometimes I, he- I hear this comment that, I wish I had read more of the Old Testament when I was in college. So read the Old Testament too. Make yourself a schedule. Something that is re- realistic, sustainable, enjoyable, right? Until one day we're with the Lord. And then the third way, uh, this takes more time, is the way of studying. You have to study by topics, by people, or some characters. Uh, study on redemption, you know. Uh, and so forth. There are so many ways to study. And we have uh, books. Uh, we have a set of books called the Life Studies. Just get into it. It takes time. But it's worth the price, okay? So, um, that's on being filled with the word and saturated. And then let's come back to the point of the Lord will send us. So he calls you, right? He separates you. He saturates you. And then he sends you back. And by doing that, he is making sure that you are not going to be mixed with the world. He coated you. He infused you with something that you will not be soluble with in the solution of the world. 
Okay? You are insoluble in the world. Okay. So, <clears throat> um, concerning this matter, why did the Lord send us into the world? To do what? To gain people. Just to gain people. He wants, he wants to save man. God's desire is to, for all people to be saved, right? Okay? So, but you have to know his strategy. He calls you, right? He separates you. Then he saturates you. And then he sends you back. Just like, I want you to see these verses in Ezekiel chapter 2. If you have your Bible, open it and see this marvelous sequence. Go to Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 8. Are you there? Okay, now. Verse 8, it says, But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Right? Maybe a brother. Who, who, who can come? Brother, yes. Come. Okay. What is your name, brother? Elvin. Okay, Elvin. He is, okay. So that is the rebellious house. All of them. And so I'm calling Elvin, okay, but you, son of man, right, hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house, right? Open your mouth. I wish I had some watermelon here or something. Open your mouth. Open your mouth. <laughs> and eat what I give you. You see? So he's calling Elvin from the rebellious house, and now he's going to give him to eat something. Eat what I give you. Then if you go to chapter 3, verse 1, he said, Then he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll. Right here, this scroll. Eat this scroll, the book, right? And go. Okay, now go. Here's the sending. Go. Speak to the house of Israel. The very same house. The rebellious house. Now I'm sending him. Go and speak to the house of Israel. Okay? Then if you see, um, verse 2 again emphasizes the matter of eating. So I opened my mouth and he gave me that scroll to eat. Good. And then read verse 4 together. If you have it, just go to verse 4. Yeah, so Solomon, go to that house, the rebellious house, and speak to them with my words. That is marvelous. God didn't do it directly. He called one, he caused him to eat, then he sends him so that he will speak with God's words. And he will do this Again and again. This is the principle. He has done this with your family. Maybe you are the first one, like me, to be called by God. Then he sends you back. 
to speak with His words. Maybe in your campus. Do you realize that your campus is like that rebellious house? And that God is calling you? Come, come. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. You open your mouth. Will you open your mouth and eat what I'm giving you? Then if you eat, then God will say, now go and speak to them with my words. It's beautiful. Thank you, Brother Alvin. So John 17, sanctify them in the truth. Yes, separate them from the world. But then he says, now I am sending you into the world. I'm sending you into that campus to gain some out of that rebellious house. Okay? So, um, let's go back to John 17. Because I would like to see something else. Um, how about you read verse um, 19 and 20 in John 17? You have it? Go. Okay. In that verse, there is something marvelous. It just follows what we were sharing. And I'm going to fellowship with you about a burden concerning multiplication. Okay, so <clears throat> in verse 20, he said, And I... Do not ask concerning these only, but concerning those also who believe into me through their word. You see again the same process? Okay. Well, remember these words. I, this, Those. I, this, those. I care for this. I taught this. I fed this. I shepherded this. Now, these do the same with those. The same kind of thing we have in Matthew 28, 20. Okay? Let me read it to you. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. I... You, them. That's Matthew 28. This is John 17. We have another verse that shows the same principle. That's in 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. 
you have to memorize this verse. It says, And the things which you have heard from me through many witnesses, this commit to faithful men who will be competent to teach others also. Me, you, faithful men, others. That's 2 Timothy 2. Paul, Timothy, faithful men, others also. The same thing. In other words, we are not the the end of God's dispensing, of all all He is doing in us. We have to be a people who pass what we receive on to others. That is to be normal. And unless we reach that point, we will, not only we will not be happy, but God's purpose will be, to some extent, extent frustrated. And I love, in John 17, the I, these, those. Because if we go back to John 17... We're going to notice something. In verse 15, go ahead and read it. Verse, verse 15, go. Okay, keep them out of the hands of the evil one. Is this, is this your only aspiration either for yourself or for your new ones? Of course it is necessary. Of course we need to pray for that. But is that all? Your years in college, you know, you have four years. And we may be, we may go through those years in the surviving mode. Just survive. Don't go into the world, you know, you don't get into a, a certain kind of relationship or drugs or anything. Keep them out of the hands of the evil one. That's the surviving or survival mode. That's the John 17, 15 mode. Just survive. So you go through your years in college. First year, second year, third year, fourth year, and praise the Lord, you survived. You didn't go into the world. Is that our aspiration? You know, the Lord continued with another verse. That's verse 17. We already read. Sanctify them in the truth. Wow, that's great. Now we're going to be separated and saturated. We're going to call that mode thrive. We thrive in college. You not only survive, you thrive. That is, you are, you know, in your appointments. You are in the Word. You are in the homes. You know, even you may uh, go to the Lord's Day meeting. You are just thriving. You are being constituted with God, with His life, with the truth. Marvelous. And then you go in that way through college. Four years. Some of these may go to the full, full-time training or Bible school. What is lacking with these ones? 
They thrive. But what is lacking? What is it? The those. That's right, Mike. The those. There is no those. Where, where are the those? Right? In John 17. So the Lord continued with... Multiplication. I, these, those. And you heard Jackie. Where is Jackie? Jackie, where are you? Jackie's testimony. Okay. I, these, those. I, you, them. Me, you, faithful men, others. That should be normal. You know, Jackie's testimony and experience should be normal among us. I feel the Lord needs to recover us back to normality. It should be normal. That should not be an exception. That should be our experience. We have to go through our years in college in this way, not just thriving, but even multiplying. That's John 17, verse 21. You have it there. Okay, no, verse 20. Uh, Yes. You know, God's first words to man were be fruitful and multiply. These are God's first word to us. This is God's blessing to us. This is God's charge to us. Be fruitful and multiply. Okay? So when we go through our years in college, you know, it's good that we thrive. But if we didn't gain anybody, I feel we miss a a, a big part of our uh, Christian experience and church life in college. We need to bring others. Right? And listen, God's strategy, God's strategy is not mainly through people like me going to a campus. Uh, you know, when I say something to a young person, he may be thinking in the back of his mind, oh, of course, you know, he's thinking about God. He's old. He's about to die for sure. He's thinking about God. Maybe when I am old as he is, I will uh, think about the afterlife, but not, not now. That, this does not mean that I cannot have some kind of relationship with young people, okay? I do have times with them. We read the Bible and so forth. But, you know, what, is, what makes uh, uh, an impression, an impact on young people is other young people telling them about this. It's not me. Sorry, Jose Luis. You know, you were a a, a student some time ago, but not now. So God's strategy is you. You are God's strategy. That's why he wants to make you an Ezekiel. Don't be rebellious. Open your mouth. Let me saturate you. Then I will send you back to the rebellious house so that you can gain some. This is your service. In John, the gospel of enjoyment. This is how you serve God. Number one, by bearing fruit. Number two, by shepherding the lambs. 
That's how you serve God in this gospel. And unless we reach that point, we will not be satisfied. We will not be happy. How do you want to end your college years? You have the chance now. Do you want to go like this, just thriving, being a good person, meeting with other Christians? What about this charge? Bearing fruit. This is your destiny. You know, Jackie, I don't know how many she contacted, but let's say, you know, we can think about, you know, one per year. And I used to be impressed with this. But God said, be fruitful and multiply. Multiply. Some of you are familiar with this name, Andrew Murray. 1800s. He was invited one time to a big conference with missionaries. Let's say you are all these missionaries. And he was to address the problem with this, you know, this kind of labor, the missionary labor, going to countries and gaining people. And this was his, his address. This is what he told them. This is how we solve the problem. Each one gains one, and each one perfects one so that that person can do the same thing with another. And he gave them a table with numbers. He showed them that. This is a table, a photocopy of what he presented at that time. Okay? He said, okay, let's assume that on the, on the whole earth there is one Christian. Just one Christian. On the whole earth. Just one. And we, that one Christian is going to spend one year to gain one person to perfect that person, to build that person up. So that after one year, that person has the same feeling, the same desire, right, to go and do the same. One year, right, you just gain one person. And you reproduce yourself into that one person. Okay, what will happen? And he showed them the numbers. He said, of course... After one year, you have two. That's you and somebody else. But then after two, you know, at the end of the second year, you have four. And at the end of the third, you have eight. And so forth. At the end of 20 years, you have about a million. And he said... In 31 years, we reached almost the entire world population in those days, 2 billion. That's what he showed them. Each one, win one for Christ. You focus on one, you invest yourself into that person until you reproduce that, and he does or she does the same thing as you. Now, Coming back to Jack's experience. Jackie, you have uh, Karina and Alejandra, right? Wonderful for Jackie. She gained all this, you know, uh, through or... 
Why stopping with Karina and Alejandra? Why should we stop there? Why should we be content with just, you know, Jackie, Karina? Karina needs to do the same thing with Mary. And Mary needs to do the same thing with Angela. And Angela needs to do the same thing with, you know, Nancy. <laughs> and while that is going on, Jackie is also taking care of somebody else. Right? Alejandra. And Alejandra is doing the same with somebody else. Meanwhile, Nancy is doing her own business with somebody else. Eventually, it's just like the bacteria. It's nonstop. <clears throat> That's why bacteria are very, very, very dangerous. They, they just go like this. Exponential reproduction. It is my burden, my heart, that the Lord will bring us into this kind of situation where it is normal, not just for me to reproduce, but for my new ones. To reproduce, to multiply. Once we reach that, I tell you, non-stop. Nothing can stop us. Nothing. You know, last year, a brother sharing a message presented some particular situation here and said that we need to gain a 1,000 young people a year. And you say, wow, 1,000 from where? How can we? I tell you, this this is the way. And it may seem slow. You gain one per year. It may seem slow. But actually, it's the most effective way to fulfill what is called the Great Commission. It's the most effective way to be fruitful and multiply. Okay? Give you another example. <clears throat> okay, let's say you have, we're going to compare the results of two people. You have an evangelist who is very eloquent, very prevailing, and he's able to gain 1,000 people for Christ every single day. Wow, that is a prevailing evangelist. And then we're, we're going to compare that one with, what was your name, brother? Elvin. With Elvin. Elvin can do something. He can, he can focus on one and labor one year on that one until he reproduces himself. Okay? So... Here are the results. Here is the year. Here is the evangelist. And here is Elvin, the a little disciple. Okay, year one. How many he has? He gains 1,000 every day. So he has 365. And how many has Elvin? One.
Okay, how about the third year? Well, he has a little over a million, and Elvin has eight. Right? This is an exponential two to the end. You know what happens at um, 23 years? This guy has a little over 8 million. And in this way, you also have about 8 million. You know what happens when the year comes to 30? This one has about Yeah, 10 million. And you know how many ha uh, the disciple has? About a billion. 10 million? 1 billion. That is the power of multiplication, it's very powerful. Give you another example. Okay, brothers. Okay, here is a daddy who has two sons, and he's going to give them a choice. He says, okay, just pick um, one. I'm going to give you $1 per week for 52 weeks. $1 per week for 52 weeks. Or you can pick this one up. One cent the first week, and then every week we double that amount. Two cents, and so forth. Also for 52 weeks. So he says, okay, sons, which one you want? Okay, the first one says, oh, I want the $1 every week. So at the end of the year, how many dollars he has? $52. Irving, he picked up the second choice. How much money he has in his pocket? How many? Roughly. You know how many dollars he has? He has more than $45 trillion. That is the power of multiplication. You see the Lord's strategy. But again, we should not stop or be content with, you know, I'm fine, I'm doing great. Or, you know, I gained somebody. What about that somebody gaining another somebody? And then that another one gaining more. I mean, you are in the best time of your life to be surrounded with Young people. You are. You have classmates, and you have roommates, and you have dormmates, and you have all kinds of people. How about praying for them? Lord, give me. Give me one. Find a companion among the students. Let us pray for this classmate, this roommate. How about we pray for that person? Lord, give me one. And even you can pray, Lord, give me one after my own heart. 
Just like God found David, a man after his own heart, you pray like this, Lord, give me somebody. While I'm in college, I don't want to go fruitless in my college years. Give me one after my own heart. You know, I have some prayers here. This is from a book, and it says, <clears throat> When God blessed Jacob, he said, I am the all-sufficient God, be fruitful and multiply. Okay? So all of us need to believe this promise and claim the fulfillment of this promise by saying, Lord, I do not agree with being a solitary believer. I stand on your promise to be fruitful and multiply. I want to be fruitful, and I want to multiply. Make that your prayer. Then, from another source, it says, Yes, God said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. According to this verse, the primary responsibility that Adam had was to reproduce. So, likewise, we Christians are charged to bear fruit. All other matters in the Christian life are for this. All other matters. Why do you read the Bible? For fruit-bearing. Why do you pray? For fruit-bearing. Why are you victorious? For fruit-bearing. Everything is for fruit-bearing. Okay? Now... Let me finish with this. I, I told the brothers, I, I told the brothers, I, they need to pray for me because I had a lot of burden, but I didn't, know, I didn't know how to release it. Okay. So, I'm going to draw something here for you. Okay. <clears throat> okay, if I find it. Okay. You know, um, human life is like being in a small boat in the middle of a vast, big, immense ocean. And that's why every single person, but I would say especially the young people, are looking for a direction of their lives. Where, where should I go? What should I do? What is the meaning of my life? All kinds of questions begin to come to your young mind. What is the direction of my life? So what I'm going to draw here on the board, I hope it gives you some idea of how to gain 
a direction for your life. Like the brothers have shared, having this or accomplishing that will not make it. Will not make it. Money will not be sufficient. Fame will not be sufficient. Degrees will not be. We need to find the direction of our lives. And here is the diagram. Okay. So, with the Lord, and with the body, I'm going to put here believers. Maybe companions will be a good word. I don't want to use church and body because I don't want you to get into the idea of meetings. Your relatedness in the body needs to be specific, definite. You must have somebody, people that you can name and tell me and you know, point to, I am related to this person and to this person. That's why I'm writing here, believers and companions. Okay? So with the Lord, we need to do some things. We need to abide. We need to enjoy Him. We need to spend time with Him. We need to go to Him in the morning. We need to be with Him in the Word. We need to eat His Word. If anyone loves me, He will keep my words, He said in John 14. So all these things go here. There is a nice story in John chapter 20. Mary, in the morning, by herself, personally, she went to the tomb. And she was not satisfied with just the knowledge of the Lord's resurrection. She wanted the Lord's person. She was a lover. So all these things go here. Your prayer life, your time in the Word, your time in the morning with Him. To enjoy Him. Okay? Then, out of that enjoyment, that enjoyment will issue in some things. That enjoyment will issue in your oneness with the believers. Right here. So, here you have oneness. Here you have Love. Love one another. This is my commandment. Love one another. This is for us to be built up with the believers, with my companions. And you need the first one to get into the second one. We need to enjoy the Lord to the point that we are one with my fellow believers. So you may think that this is enough. I enjoy the Lord, and I am one, and I love my fellow believers. Right? But no, that is not all. There is another thing, and that's what we have been talking about in this last half an hour or so. And that is that the enjoyment of Christ also issues in fruit-bearing and shepherding. Right here. So you can write fruit bearing right here. 
and shepherding. And this is concerning the new ones. Now consider this diagram, these three dimensions. These three things are transferable into eternity. Everything else is non-transferable. In eternity, you will enjoy the Lord. He will be the tree of life, the water of life for us to enjoy for eternity. That is transferable. We will enjoy the oneness with the believers. We will be built up with them. The Bible ends with a city, a built-up city. That is transferable. And when we get to be with the Lord, those whom we left to Christ and shepherded, they will be there welcoming us. Saying, Lord, Elvin, he led me to you. He shepherded me. He visited me so many times. He fed me. He cared for me. He was willing to spend time with me. So these ones are transferable. Everything else is non-transferable. So if you have these three things, that's when you have found the direction of your life. What are you doing here? I'm enjoying Christ. I love him. I spend time with him. I am in his word. I pray to him. What else? Well, out of that comes my being one with our fellow, my fellow believers. I'm not here an individualistic being. I need others. I'm related in life with others. And then what else? Well, out of that enjoyment and out of that oneness comes my service to the Lord, which is, according to John, fruit-bearing and shepherding. The Lord called us to be bearers of fruit and feeders of lambs. That's your call. That's how we spend our time. Of course, you know, outside of this, things that are transferable, you know, you have your college degree, your bachelor's in science, you have a job over here, and then outside here, you have a wife, and then you have a house, and you have kids, and then you have a car. I don't know, all these things, which we need for our existence. We don't despise. We receive them with thankfulness. Thank the Lord for providing all these things. But these three are the transferable ones. This is the compass for our human life, our Christian life, and our church life. Okay? And these three things also apply to you as a member of a group. I referred to that earlier as a vital group. If you take care of this direction, your relationship, the nature of that relationship with the members of your group, Jackie, will be spiritual. If you have this dimension horizontally, the condition of that group will be love. And out of these two, 
the purpose of your group will be bearing fruit, increase, multiplication. Everything is there. Now you have the compass of your life. Okay, I didn't do a good job, um, but the time has come <laughs> to end this message and now give you the time for you to overflow, not just from this message, okay? Uh, from all the messages, last night's message was wonderful, you can overflow from that, okay? Um, how about we all stand up and praise the Lord several times? Okay, now how about you share something? <laughs>